Neil Peart on the ones and twos, ladies and gentlemen. We bought a mic. <laughs> Let's do Rush. We bought a mic. Can, can anyone do a Getty Lee impression? <clears throat> we bought a mic. We bought a mic. He's so high up there. We bought a mic. That's pretty good. There was trouble in the microphones. There's trouble on the podcasts. And the spaceship's going down. Hello. Okay. God. We want to thank Rush for stopping in. Thanks, Getty. Oh, thanks for coming by. Welcome to We Bought a Mic. Um, I a pop culture well, podcast? Welcome, guys. <laughs> I literally couldn't even think of any Rush lyrics to sing. <laughs> Uh, Don't worry, guys. I, I got Sawyer. you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, my name is not Tom Sawyer. We bought a My name is Ernest Calderon. We'll save that um, for next week. My name is uh, Hunter. Parentheses Getty. Close parentheses Mobley. Whoa. Oh God. Yeah. I'm just Drew Dietzen. <laughs> no. Can you name another? Can you name another member of Rush? Uh, Neil Peart. Okay, good. Andrew I was going to say, like, come on, Drew. Most famous yeah, drummer yeah. in the world. Even though, I'll start off with a hot take. I think he's overrated. Dude, he's... Neil Peart is fucking incredible. Okay, the shit he does is unbelievable And when you watch it on video, and then you listen to their songs, and you're like, this sounds fine. You were only listening to hits of Rush. Name me, like, five Rush songs, Drew. Uh, deep Cut. I'll start with a Deep Cut. YYZ. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, yeah. Let's just go off the bat with, like, all the songs that were featured on Guitar Heroes. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I, I don't know any deep. Cuts. So Drew is uh, guesting on the mixer today for today's episode. Yeah. So if it sounds like shit, that's why. Someone's someone's graduated to intro to audio tech. Are we clipping? <laughs> I think we're clipping. So Drew Drew is uh, we're in is the now, red. Yeah. So that's when you bring down the the levels depending on who's talking. You just you got to <sighs> monitor, dude. You got to monitor. So next week I will be on vacation. So you guys are probably I'm gonna going try solo. to have uh, a. Uh, well, yeah, Solo does come out. Yeah. Um, oh no. Yep. Oh. <laughs> but we'll we'll be reviewing it. Can, uh, I, can t- I just like not watch Solo? I don't even want to. Uh sure. I mean, whatever, yeah. whatever you want. We're not yeah. gonna make you do anything you don't want to do. <laughs> no, I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it. It's crazy. We were just talking about this. Like, there's a new Star Wars movie coming out. A new Star Wars movie, and like nobody really cares. I could not be less hyped for this like even whenever rogue one came out i was excited for rogue one because i was like all right sweet you know it's the star wars movie of the year like it's it's cool original story in the star wars universe i'm into it and then solo it's like last Jedi just came out like less than six months ago yeah i don't care i feel like i'm being waterboarded with this shit (laughs) it's it's too much i'm drowning i don't like it last jedi honestly i liked but like i don't want to watch this i hated rogue one uh, I didn't really care for Force Awakens. I have low hopes for this, even though people make a lot of like a big deal out of the director switch, and even we have. But I was thinking about it, and I was like, Lord and Miller to Ron Howard is like that's a way different from like Josh Trank to some other dude, like or, or um, Gareth Edwards to to um, Tony Gilroy. Yeah, yeah. It it's although Tony Gilroy has made some really great films, Michael Clayton. Among oh. them, people like Michael Clayton. I haven't seen yeah. it. Mm. Are we too low now, Ernest? Um, 
just keep an eye on the waveform as long as you can see it moving up and down. So for all you listeners out there, you know, this can be a good little uh, engineering 101 for you <laughs> as we move as, as we peruse through this episode. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm engineer Drew. We don't have that much to talk about. We're going to be reviewing uh, Deadpool 2 and getting into some other things. Not, nothing too crazy this week. It's a short one. Um, but yeah, next week I'll be gone on vacation. And then the week after we'll have a slightly late review of Solo um, up for you. So do we have any news? I think we have a little bit of news. We wanted to talk about the Bohemian Rhapsody trailer. Yeah, we got. I got this last night at Deadpool. I saw it for the first time. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, what do you think? Uh, I mean, honestly, Doll, I, I, it didn't reveal too much, which was good. It was mostly just a musical melody more than anything. At least the trailer that I got. Uh-huh. Um, Rami looks good. Yeah, he looks great. It, I, honestly, it doesn't matter how ugly the fake teeth they gave him are. They'll never be as ugly as Freddie Mercury's <laughs> yeah. teeth. He had the grossest mouth. Um, but I, I I mean, I grew up a really big Queen fan. That was just like the CD. My, my mom's go-to was their greatest hits. Um, yeah, I remember listening yeah. to that a lot. So, I, I mean, I really hope that this is good. But, I mean, the news broke recently that they are not going to address uh, Freddie Mercury's AIDS at all. That's the thing that I really wanted to bring up um, on the pod because we talked about how Brian Singer was fired from this project. And yeah, Brian Singer is... The, uh, the pedophile director. Yeah. Honestly, director of probably X-Men. good that he wasn't, that yeah. he did get kind of kicked off. But the fact that this is coming out so like shortly after that was announced means well, like they can't be doing much like reshooting well they by the time he got booted the film was almost pretty much done like mm. they had very little left to do um but the thing is is i don't know if we talked about it on that episode but this movie has been in like development drama for a long long time i think we may have brought up the fact that sacha baron cohen was slated to like write direct and star in it mm-hmm. and he wanted it to be like a raw and dramatic like yeah. visceral take on the story of freddie mercury and then the queen the members of queen and like the the people still involved with the band and all that they were like nah dude you can't that we're not gonna let you make this movie if you're gonna yeah. make it this well like, but the other shit. thing the thing that made me like more happy by the trailer is it does look very much like a freddy story where w- one of the reasons why they kicked sasha off the project was they said like hey no we don't want this to be a freddy story they we want this to be about the other members of queen yeah. and how yeah. he handled well, his death and it's like that's not interesting nobody cares about that yeah, we care about freddy particularly brian may the guitarist who's one of the better guitarists and probably one of the most underrated guitarist of all time mm-hmm. he had big issues he was like no this needs to be a redemption story like everyone likes a redemption movie but no no one gives a shit about queen after freddie mercury died i couldn't have told you they were even still existing until adam lambert joined them and it, now it's like oh great i'm lambert joined yeah them. now and now this movie it's it could be good but i have a feeling it's not gonna be as good as it could have been if such a Sacha baron cohen could have done that like really intense yeah dramatic look at, at his you know private life and and mm. all of the struggles that he went through because he had aids like he was a victim of that horrible crisis and it could be a really you know intense story to tell but it's yeah. not gonna be it's just gonna be like oh cool like you know i know concerts. that song i clapped I, mean, I i still like 
Yeah, I mean, the the whole trailer is just like, hey, remember all of these songs that Queen makes and uh, <laughs> Queen has made? I mean, Queen is an amazing band. They're like really up there with the upper echelon of the great classic rock bands. Um, I'm excited for this, if nothing else, just for uh, Rami Malek, Rami Malek, Rami Malek, just yeah. because he is such an incredible actor and it really looks like he is just fully embracing the role of Freddie Mercury. Like you see him up there, he's doing the moves and everything. He's got the body type for it that it's very believable. Yeah, I'll, I'll see it just for him because I'm a, I'm a huge Mr. Robot fan. Like I want to support this guy. Mm. I think he is an amazing talent. So I'll, I'll see it just for him. Um, do we have any other news to, to talk about? Was this it? Um, no. I mean, is it news that Anderson Pac has two new singles yeah, out? Yeah, let's, let's, really let's get into to. some, some new music. Um, Anderson Pac came out with Bubblin and what's the other one? Um, well, the other one came out over. a while ago, Till It's Over. Yeah, which I really like that Which also. is the music video is actually directed by Spike Jones. Oh, that's the It was part of like an Apple. Yeah, it was part of an Apple commercial. I didn't realize that he was like promoting that as his own song. Yeah, I mean, that's that I think that's also probably going to be one of his singles off of his new album. But that music video is fucking incredible. Up until This Is America, I thought that was the best music video of the yeah. year just because Spike Jones directing a music video is just absolutely gorgeous and FKA looking. Uh, Twigs is dancing in and looks amazing. I think the most impressive shit about that video, though, is if you look up the making of, very little of that is computer effects. The the yeah. way the the apartment is like expanding and shifting, they actually built all of that into yeah. the set. It's amazing. That's I, wild. I had seen the video, and it the video struck me so much that I didn't really listen to the song until like literally yesterday. Yeah, but um, the song itself is really yeah. Cool. Till the it's way over. The chorus of the song is just amazing. The way the synth moves. It's yeah. It's a really good song. But um, just more recently, like maybe yesterday, the day before, he released this uh, new single called Bubblin. This is probably my favorite single of the whole year so far. Yeah. Like I've been listening to it like four times a day. It's it's fucking crazy. The beat it's it's like way more uh, hip hop than Anderson yeah, usually. Yeah, that's goes. what struck me. And yeah. it it probably has one of the better hooks that I've heard. Like period. It I it gets stuck in my head. The beat is it's like a western cartoon, um, and then it's chopped up to sound to be more hip hop. And I love that sound it's almost like uh toxic by yeah, Britney yeah that's what i was about to say is the first time that i heard it it's like a chopped up version of like the yeah. the main riff in toxic yeah the violins um it's it's just a crazy good single he probably has the best voice in hip-hop right he now. really does just he can do whatever that, he the wants fact that, that he can rap and then also sing in all of his own choruses and play and like, drums and drums like he's just <laughs> such a talented person and i mean we started talking about anderson pock on the podcast uh might have even been before the podcast because Malibu came out 2016, 2017. Yeah, we, we, we haven't really talked about it. Yeah, much but at all. I mean, Malibu was like one of my favorite albums of the year, the year that that came out. Like, yeah. I really, really loved Malibu. And then I kind of started digging back into his older stuff, uh, specifically Venice, his album that came out before that. Yeah, and but, the No Worries. Yeah, uh, No Worries. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just these two singles had made me have made me so optimistic for his future. Uh, uh, yeah, no, he, if you don't know anything about him, Anderson Pac is a former, uh, tour gig drummer. He would tour with like really, really big artists like Beyonce level. I don't know if he actually toured with Beyonce though, but yeah, he's a studio drummer 
so he's at that level musically and then in 2014 he started putting out solo stuff with venice and then two years later malibu was a bit of a break for him not a huge break but uh certain songs you would hear on like commercials and stuff well yeah and it was i think it was pretty high up on a lot of critics best yeah. stuff list i mean it's a great album and it never super clicked for me until last year we went to Okeechobee Fest and we saw him and yeah. he was unbelievable he had so much star power it's hilarious that he's been in the background his whole life because he was owning the entire stage he was playing drums masterfully and at the same time fucking you know singing and walking around he would get up from the drum it was it was the best show that I saw at that whole festival yeah I, I think it was too it was unbelievable I um I honestly didn't realize that Anderson Park was gonna have a new album out this year. I, I hadn't heard any buzz. So when he dropped the the music video, the I didn't realize that like he was gonna come out with new music. Yeah, it looks like he's an every two years guy. Well, I mean, I really thought that when he put out Till It's Over, I kind of thought that, that was just a one off single for the for Apple, Apple or whatever. Yeah, but I mean now that he has Bubbling coming out only like a month, two months after uh Till It's Over, yeah. I'm gonna assume that that means that we're gonna get a album this year, which I'm so excited for. Either either way, if you're buying stock in an artist right now, buy stock in Anderson Pac. Like yep. he holds up, he's way he's better live than he is in recording, and he's great in recording. So he's he's a he's a guy to watch. He's I a think... he's a TDE guy too. So no, is he? Is he? No, uh, no, no. <laughs> well, I he think, does a uh, lot of stuff with TDE artists. So like, I just kind of assume that he was if, part of that. Group. If the album comes out this year, it's gonna definitely be like my most anticipated yeah he's also he's also yeah a very prolific collaborator he has um a really really great song on tribe called quest new album um i mean and then uh no worries nx worries if you look that up that's just him and what k it's him and a producer yeah um so it's basically just anderson pock but more uh electronic more i think um vibey if you if you think back to 2016 um and the best albums that came out that year we may see some follow-ups this year because i know you know the kanye three or four albums or whatever he's putting out like that <laughs> that mirrors Pop, <laughs> pablo in 2016 Poopity and scoop. also i mean i don't think we're gonna get any frank um i'm trying to think what other stuff came out la- that year but yeah if 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 you're just thinking of um of anderson pock like following up just after two years like I hope it's better than Malibu, and if it is, it'll be definitely one of the best albums. I mean, Malibu, I think... I don't remember if I had number one or number two. I think it was right there with Blonde for me. I think that might have been my number one album of the year, Malibu was. So, I mean, if you've seen it on the same level as Malibu, then I'm going to be super excited for it. Technically, my favorite album was rtj3 because it came out at oh the yeah very that's, end that's of right the year. it came i came out in december 25th yeah <laughs> they dropped it slightly early um, my favorite album of that year uh no name telephone Ooh, oh yeah what is she up to i don't know it's been two years um i feel I, like a collab with anderson pock with her would be great oh, Ooh, dude man. i just want her to do anything man that that album i listen to still on like a weekly basis it's been two years it's yeah. so so good um, anyway, let's yeah, let's move on. People don't like music. The, well, the, the <laughs> music isn't pop. The culture. only other music thing that I wanted to talk about was the new Front Bottoms, which I listened to. Oh, I didn't um, even listen to it. Yeah, we we don't have to dwell on it. It's fine. It's an EP. It's twenty minutes. It's nothing groundbreaking. I mean, it's the same thing that they did with Rose EP, where it's just kind of taking some taking like some B-sides. of their really old tracks. Oh, is like, that what it is? Yeah, it's, it's some re-recordings. They had. 
three or four albums before they were ever on a, a studio. Oh. Which you could actually listen to those albums like on YouTube. Bandcamp. Yeah, Bandcamp, YouTube. And um, the songs themselves aren't bad, but the production is fucking horrendous. You, like, you can tell they recorded it on, like, GarageBand. Are <laughs> oh, you talking in about the old, garage. the old shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, it's nice... For them to kind of go through and re-record some of these things. Yeah, that's good. I honestly, I'm I'm kind of over Front Bottoms. Any of their new shit, their last album, I really I'm like ice cold on at this point. There were like three songs I was trying to be like, you know, it's in my rotation. I yeah. like it, and now I just I deleted them all. I don't <laughs> I don't like it. I stand by. I think that uh, there are some good tracks on there. I think that's a better album than Back on Top. I mean, Grand Finale is honestly one of my favorite Front Bottoms songs. Just because yeah, I think song. that's a great it's song. Just, um, as an album, it's really I just I a don't disappointment. I don't know what their identity is anymore. I don't know what their are artistic like standpoint is i don't know what they're trying to do like they used to have such a unique thing going and now I, yeah they're kind of eroding that it, it feels lost uh, I, I mean i know that these songs that they just put out are older songs but there's nothing in them that makes me feel like they're moving in any sort of progressively yeah. creative i mean um, one direction time, one time me and colin were talking about this with just uh artists in general particularly bands usually it just kind of has a downward trajectory yeah. a lot of the time it yeah just, i mean you can only be in your prime for usually like yeah you can usually get two albums unless yeah unless you're really prime. special like radiohead and you're able to like improve drastically it's it's really tricky because you have all the time in the world. There's no pressure at all when recording your first album, so it can be as good as you want. And then after that, you're on a strict schedule all the time. Yeah, you're you're and, with a major label. Yeah, that has and you're other... touring, and tensions rise between the members, and it just becomes a big thing. So it's hard to continue putting out good shit. That's why true greatness is marked by bands that get better over time. And I mean, not opinion. only that, that like I feel like those are. It really takes really transcendental artists to stay on such a prime. Like look at Kanye right now. Like we've come to expect so much from Kanye because he has div- delivered consistent at least good album after album like for his entire career so now we're at the point where we just expect his newest album to be good to great and, and it, the first it, it first be. two songs are not a good indication of I, that i don't think those um, songs are going to are anything to do with the album those I, songs one of them is like him trolling people and then the other one is him just like responding to like what him people are scatting <laughs> we have him like scatting yeah, scoopity there's, poop there's no way that's part of the album um <laughs> yeah I, one last thing on the front bottoms i wanted to ask you guys like what do you do you think that brian and and his and his buds have any interest in like doing something drastic to to change up their sound no, in any way they seem I don't, they just seem like what most bands do, which is, you know, they get into the tour life and then they're just, you know, they're kind of hosting. Yeah, they're drinking, they're having a good time, and they're not so focused on misery anymore. They don't have to <laughs> worry about a paycheck. Yeah. Like, I don't believe that all great art comes from misery, but I think a lot of it does. And particularly their thing was misery, and yeah. now that's gone, and it's just, it sounds it sounds like a compromise, their new music. I mean, that's how a lot of, especially like emo bands, that's what happens when they get older and they get more successful is they kind of lose a little bit of that edge to them. Like mm-hmm. plenty of bands get to that point where some of their best stuff comes whenever they're just like sad and lonely and broke and sad. sad and whenever they get to the point where there's like oh okay like people know who we are like we're successful i'm not depressed anymore yeah. then it's 
doesn't lend to as good of music. I mean, yeah, it, it comes down to what is your motivator. Like with with bands like that, if they're singing about things like that, then their motivator is usually tension and yep. misery. And then with uh, artists that become great, like with Kanye, for example, his motivator is greatness itself. Um, and then with even with like a, an all time great like the Beatles, their motivator was each other. It was Paul versus John, kind of pushing each other to the limit. So they just kept getting better and better because their motivator was recyclable. It wasn't something that just runs out, you know. Yeah. I think until they, you know you die or break up. If if um if you think back to when we saw them live last and we talked about that um on an episode of the, the Beatles of, of the pod <laughs> of uh, uh, the front bottoms um we I think we talked about how like the fan base isn't. It, it's not hurting from this like stagnant sound mm. they're actually you could argue that like they're doing better with such a consistent sound that it's probably not in their best interest to do anything really really different because they'll alienate the people that are that are getting into them yeah. you know if they keep putting out this sort of like middle of the road you know emo punk type stuff they're gonna keep growing and growing and, and getting more fans so it's like it's this kind of sad trade-off that we're probably never gonna actually see them try something until they feel like they have a reason to yeah right now they really don't and i think that i mean they're definitely going in much more of a mass appeal pop kind of direction less so with uh, their most recent album but with back on top that is like a very much pop album like there's it's all just like very clean very clean electric guitar sounds like it's catchy but not necessarily provocative in any way and i mean i it like you said like you're kind of at a crossroads as a fan where you want them to succeed and you want them to be able to make money and get new fans but at the same time you kind of crave that older more yep. raw sound yeah that's yep. sad all right, yeah, let's Whatever. let's move on to what we've been watching. Um, not too much. I wanted to bring up since we don't have that much to talk about. Um, I wanted to bring up the Netflix show, a series of unfortunate events, which I don't think I've ever brought up on the pod. But um, I I remember watching through the first season. I think last year, yeah, earlier last year when it came out, and being like really disappointed in it. Um, it gets better as the season goes on because the way they do it is they structure it two episodes per book. It's based on the um, the children's novel series um, and they break it up two episodes per book so that they tell essentially the whole story of each book over the course of around two hours. So you're getting essentially like a film, a feature length film per book in mm -hmm. the form of a TV show. And I like that. And even though the show really had to to struggle to come into its own and to you know get good, um, it sticks to the source material really really well and it captures the spirit of the books really well. Um, this is a, a series. Uh, um, I'm talking about the books that like really plays on English language, like uh, yeah, no. kind of cliches and and weird the, the english language is a strange fucking language yeah and those those books have so many like almost every chapter of every one of those books has like a thing where it's like he'll say a phrase and then he'll be like when but when i say that phrase what i mean is this and i don't yeah. actually mean that and blah 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 like he, and and if they find ways to to take those things like the conventions of the english language and, and find the double triple meanings them in them and make story 
plots and character motivations out of them. And it, it's really cool. And the way it's translated to the screen, it's very faithful. And they find other ways to riff on that with, with the visuals. Because when you're reading a book, you know, you're just reading words. But when you're putting it to um to the on the screen is this still mega green screen okay so about the visuals i think in season one the budget was really really low it must have been because like holy shit yeah, i yeah. couldn't even watch it it got better as the episodes went on so towards the end of that first season it was actually like pretty convincing True. and in the second season it seems like i don't know if they increased the budget too much maybe slightly but they know how to allocate the budget more so that you're not completely taken out of it. It still has a weird look to it. Like it still doesn't look a hundred percent like reality, mm. but it's not like horrible, horrible green screen anymore. Mm. And the best thing about it in the second season is that at least for me, I'm more into the characters. I think the acting of the children is way better and I'm actually like pretty sold on Neil Patrick Harris as Count Olaf. I think what he's doing is great. And you have some great guest actors in here. You have Tony Hale, uh, Nathan Fillion is in there. There's there's a lot to to love in in um in these these sort of short arcs of the of the um more adult characters because as the series has been going on, it starts to delve into all of these like secret society mysteries and intrigues that are really cool in the books and that kind of open up all of this lore in the world of, of the novels that's being explored really really well in the show and I wouldn't call this a great show ever but as a fan of the books I think I I really do appreciate it and, and enjoy it a lot so I would only recommend it if you've read the books and you really enjoy the books because they're being very very faithful to the to the source material and i appreciate that okay yeah i was never really as into the books i read the first three books and i of course i've seen the classic jim carrey movie but um i tried to watch the show and the first episode of looks, the first season the first episode of the first so season bad. looks so bad and it was just so like not pleasant at all to watch or be a part of that it <laughs> i just didn't have any desire to yeah. follow through watching the show it, was it looks bad it was the rough. acting is bad the writing is bad and it's like it's very cornball and i guess it kind of took me out of it because you know it has such a dark aesthetic on it but at the same time it is a kid's show like it's meant it's a kid's book it's a kid's show yeah. like it's meant not to be taken very dark and seriously which is interesting because especially in season two and also towards the end of one some really fucked up shit happens like some really dark shit even at the opening of the show like the premise is that these kids their parents were burned alive in a fire um and that in itself is like really tragic so mm. the it does deal with really dark source material so it, it it's very kind of um it's tricky to deal with this really intense darkness and also have it be whimsical and, and adequate for children to, to view. So I think season two is doing everything a lot better than season one yeah. did. Okay. And I'm, I'm about halfway through it. I'm slowly getting through it because I've been playing a ton of God of Wars. So yeah. I don't That's to... really why we don't have as much to talk yeah. about because anytime, any free time that me and Ernest have, we're just playing God of War. Yeah. So I'm in class. Oh. Thank you very much. So I, I, uh, I recommend the show if you read the books. Other than that, you know, it's it's yeah, it's all right. It's fine. Um, 
Let's talk about Legion now. Okay. Catch up on the last two weeks. Uh, last week was chapter six, and it was amazing. I, I offhandedly mentioned it when I talked about the Noah Hawley film, but now we can talk about it. And wow, it might be the best episode of the season and one of the best of the show. I, I think that it is. I mean, a few weeks ago, I talked about the the solo Sid episode that we got, and I said that was my favorite episode yeah. of the series, but then this show just one-upped itself. It was so fucking good because you have this mishmash of like alternate versions of David that all exist intercuttingly in like the same space. Like I've, that's why I was kind of comparing it to the Rick and Morty Citadel episode because it's like, you're not jumping around to different realities. It's like all different versions of the, of the character all existing like in and around each other. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting the way that it's cut up. It feels like you're watching about like, nine or ten different davids but then you realize that it's really a storyline of about three different davids and but they all it's all intercut together and they all have their own arcs that you follow through from all kinds of different perspectives we have homeless david who's just like so ready to give up on life super super powered rich david yeah super powered rich david who just kind of like his story is really cool he takes over as just like this coffee assistant boy and then he's like a fucking psychic so he just like tells he helps one person out from like signing a bad deal and And i love takes i love that because you see the coffee boy version and you see the older rich version and you don't realize that that's the same arc until the end of the episode yeah and then um the last one we get is really cool because that's kind of the most like the most true to the David that we've seen, it's just David, if he would have stayed on his medications, uh, where he was taking these anti-schizophrenic medications that just make him basically a zombie walking around where he's mm-hmm. emotionless. When he's like in the anything. dairy factory. Yeah, when he's working at the milk dairy factory. And you can tell like he's a little bit off and insane, but like he's just kind of there like existing and you know he has of course his sister taking care of him much like she did before he kind of blew up and had to go into the mental hospital and everything else and it's just it's so fascinating to actually watch this like this is we talked about this off mic but this is really where the show succeeds is whenever it's not trying to push a heavy sci-fi superhero type plot at you and it just shows you everything that you need to know about this world and about David's mind. And not just that, but the dynamic between David and um Amy, his yeah, sister. His sister. That's the core of this episode is is seeing what her role in his life really is and how her involvement in in his mutinous and his illness, schizophrenia and, and all of that what impact that has in his life and how these different outcomes could have happened because that's essentially what we're seeing is like how many different ways could David's life have ended up depending on how um, Amy took care of him and how involved she was and how she kind of shaped his decision making because that's really what we're coming off of the previous episode where he Mm -hmm. has this harrowing reveal of what has happened to her and how she's pretty much essentially dead. Yeah. I'll be surprised if we see her again. We might. Except for just in like mental flashback kind of things like that. Which leads into the latest episode that we see her in sort of like a similar mental prison that um, 
um, Aubrey Plaza's Lenny mm-hmm. character has been in. And goddamn, talk about Lynchian, man. Like we keep <laughs> referencing Twin Peaks and Lynch when when talking about this show, and like it's getting to the point where it's like it's we could we could probably just spend days just pointing out all of the links and similarities yeah. to Twin Peaks. It's ridiculous. There's so many little little things that just harken back to to the show, but it really feels like it's all kind of a coincidence because there's no way that Noah Hawley like watched the return. And, yeah. Like, while making this, yeah. like it's just, you can tell like they both just have very, very similar styles of putting you in this. It's, putting you in the mind of having of somebody having a nightmare of this like waking nightmare and it's gotten to the point now where we don't know who like there's no believable narrator in this entire show the entire thing you're like it's going back and forth i mean there was a little uh and uh dialogue between uh sid like future sid and uh uh farouk in this episode where he's just like the hero is the villain the villain is the hero but that's kind of how the whole show has been treated where you don't know who you're supposed to be cheering cheering for you know that scene i think was maybe one of the weaker scenes of the episode but the way it ends up it really sets up because I've said this before, it's like the whole Varuk Shadow King plot thing is like the most convoluted, hard to follow thing about this show. Mm-hmm. Um, but what that scene ends up doing is that it's it's really effective in making you understand like the implication of what this all is, of what this whole dynamic is, and, and it sucks that it has to be spelled out so clearly in yeah. the dialogue, but now like it's very clear to me that we're seeing a a, a a version of reality in which David is being slated to be like the true villain of the story. Mm. Um, and then the, the this is the course of events that we're experiencing. And the, with this whole time travel thing and him being able to send his conscience through time, it, it may change, but at least we're pieces are starting to click together and we're starting to see some sort of through line that we can follow. We are, but at the same time, like while watching we've had these little, of course we get these John Hamm, uh, little voiceover things that yeah. describe a certain There was thing. a really good one. And this, time. this one, uh, this week's kind of drew everything together, uh, from this whole idea of delusion and the troubles that leads to, and, and this and one the, comes and to human seeking patterns and, and group think. Yes. And, uh, this was the episode where it all kind of came to a head where everybody is getting this sense of delusion in them, but it went differently than I was expecting it to, because I thought that this delusion was being planted in their minds from basket head guy yeah and instead that's obviously not the case because these characters all turn against him and they all try to go and kill him if it's not for david stepping in and being like you guys are all like like insanity is taking over all of you and he has to kind of take over and the way that that is visualized <laughs> is so it doesn't necessarily look good but it's not even like trying to look good like we're going to talk a little bit about uh, Deadpool and some of the struggles with that CGI, but yeah. like this isn't something that's supposed well, to be a in, television show, and this isn't something <laughs> that's supposed to be over the top, despite having some like pretty 
gruesome looking monsters in it. Yeah. It's very, very like just the way they go at one point to this red room that's visualized and it's just it's not even a room. It's not even a room. It's, it's like just a, a void. red void yeah. green screen like thing where they're just standing there. David's just talking to this giant black bird spider monster well, creature. It's, it's it's the evolution of the delusion. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it originated in the John Hamm void thing uh, in the egg and then we saw it in the actual reality in going into Tommy's brain and it's been like chilling there for however long and it grew and it grew and it burst out of him. Yeah. So it's like it, it just festered in there until it became this huge monstrous thing that really <laughs> I don't even know like what they were thinking doing this and like putting this together but it works man yeah. it's fucking weird and like ridiculous I, and just out there but I honestly, it just worked I, for me I didn't think that it would work too like I was kind of thinking that I was like okay like a little bit of we know where this is going kind of where yeah. I didn't really think that it was going to land. Hey, what's up, guys? Nearly the way that it did. What's, what's been going on? Um, <laughs> we can wrap this up uh, shortly because we still have four more episodes. We you just said had there was 11, seven. right? Yeah. We just had episode seven. So there's four more episodes. Yeah. Um, but really the thing about the show that kind of bums me out a little bit is this just makes me think like, why can't we get more superhero type movies that are willing to do risks like yeah, this? Yeah, which like, is which is why I'm excited for No Holly doing Doctor Doom. Like yeah. I really hope that project comes I hope together. that goes through because like this is like we don't have to just because it's superhero, just because it's all the same quote unquote genre, that doesn't mean that all these movies have to be so formulaic and MCU level where they're all the same fucking thing just with a different skin on them. Like this is shown that you can take a superhero story and turn it into this psychological story about somebody with mental illness. Yeah. Like in a way that I never thought was possible from the source material. And and overall I really think that season two is a, a, a notch below season one because it started to kind of dip its toes into more traditional superhero, supervillain type things, even though it's had arguably higher highs than season one. It's just been a little bit shakier overall because it's been like it's had these plot heavy episodes that I, meander too much. I agree me. with that. I do think that the highs are definitely higher season one. And you, I would also say that the lows are a little bit lower just because they are having these exposition monologues that'll just be it'll be like two minutes of an episode and you're like i did not need that two minutes like this episode would have been better if you didn't tell me that and left me to put the pieces together myself um i'm not ready to say whether or not i like this season more or less than the first season until i see how this season wraps up Um, at least it's really different it is really different i just appreciate the ambition of this show and what it's going for and i Really can't wait to see how they stick the landing, if they do at all. All right. Well, let's take a break. Cue it up, Drew. And CD slash tape to mix. And when we get back, we're going to be reviewing Deadpool and Deadpool 2. Whoa. We'll be back. Just give it time. Just wait for that shit to drop. Don't fast forward.
Look at the cash, look at the cash coming in. Come get your man, little nigga bugging me. Just see the bag, quit out of jaw jackery. Don't even pass me that, I don't want none of it. These niggas mad about it, had enough of it. Whoa, watch what you saying, how that popping is shaking. Got me hot as a laser, my posse dipping, I raiding. We had the food for the paper, had a dream and I made it. They'll come in on dates, bitches guess over bait. Put the bread on me, bitch, bitch, you bet on my bacon. Pick it flat in the bacon, I might just roll out today. I might just roll out to Vegas, head back to my old ways. Cop a roof on the Asia hoes and we blow all day. Look at me, baby. First reform. I really want to see first reform. Oh, Ethan Hawke. Some people are saying it's like one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. Wow. So it, it's got that uh, a ghost story uh, aspect ratio. Oh, yeah, yeah, like four by three. Yeah. Yeah. Very A24. Ooh. Yeah. Eventually, all A24 movies will just be in like shot like on I'm a. I'm really fucking hyped for Under the Silver Lake. Oh yeah, the um, was that Andrew, Andrew Garfield? Garfield? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty interesting. Yeah. It premiered at Cannes. Really excited for that. Yeah, people were but, like, fucking. By the way, it's Cannes. pronounced Can, not Con, not Cans. Shaka Khan. not Canis. Uh, I love the Canis Music Festival. <laughs> music festival. <laughs> Where they just play like weird French trance. <laughs> yeah. Electropop. But guys, I have a question. Does dubstep exist in the future? Dude, I laughed. I lulled because I knew that. I clapped. Uh, I was honestly clapping. Honestly, Deadpool 2 is an epic win. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, I feel like that's the demographic. I like it because it reminded me of all the family guy that I watch at home. I was lolling when like... That's my take. Damn it. <laughs> oh, was it? He figured it out. All right. I, no, I've been comparing this to that. Yeah, no, that's literally my take. That was because I told you before. Um, are we just back? We're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. <laughs> um, why Why is everything so high? God damn it. We're, we're listening to me learning how to engineer on the spot. It's okay. All right. All right. Everyone can get a little yeah, bit of a lesson out of this. I was, I was going to have a whole bit and you just ruined it. Um, but yeah, because Demi, uh, the guy we mention a lot on the podcast, who's like a TV writer, uh, former Viner, Demi Adeyigbe, we're, we mess oh, up his name okay. every time. Yep, Demi. His name <laughs> is Demi. Adeyigbe, I think. Something like that. Anyway, he um, he tweeted Deadpool, before I had seen the movie, he was like, Deadpool is just minions for adults. And I thought That's that was pretty good. I thought it was I thought it was very funny and partially true because of the memeiness of it, where it gets turned into these memes that have nothing to do with the movie. Um, but I thought it was a bit harsh. And my my parallel that I think is dead true is Deadpool is Family Guy. I no, I agree. Completely. Yeah, no, I was I was talking about that with Ernest last night after we both saw the movie. I, I have a list. This is oh. it is so dependent on referential humor and on yeah. you knowing the thing that it's not is, genuinely funny it's family guy you're watching family yeah, guy literally I, with a hundred million dollar he, budget here's my list okay relies on raunchiness to be funny needlessly fills every spare moment with jokes it's overly self-aware and it has all these fourth wall breaks to the point of diminishing returns because there's a certain amount of fourth wall that i love and then there's a point where it's like stop looking at the fucking camera yeah, yeah. every scene yeah it, it depends on referential humor too much the storylines of what happens ultimately don't matter at all that's very true of family guy like 
you'll see Peter die and then the next scene he's alive. Like it yeah. just it doesn't matter what's happening. It's all about the jokes. Um occasionally it's very funny also. We you got to say that about both of them. There are great jokes in Deadpool 2 and then it's surrounded by stuff that's not too great. Yeah. So it kind of gets lost even though it has moments of brilliance. It's the same with Family Guy. Family Guy had moments of incredible joke writing and then it would just be followed up by like, eh. Yeah, and I think Family Guy it's still on, right? Yeah, that's yeah, still and making at, new at episodes. At this point it's just like it's completely unconcerned with doing anything except just yeah. dumb jokes. Yeah, exactly. Family Guy had probably a couple years where it was genuinely one of the funniest shows on TV. Um, but I mean, the whole thing is it's like the South Park episode of Family Guy is just like the yeah. the best thing ever just because well, it's literally it's just like so formulaic and down to a thing where you get this thing is a lot like this thing. Yeah. And then it's that's then it every joke it. and then cuts to video of that My, thing happening and being wacky. Whenever I think of Family Guy and the episodes that I've enjoyed. The best episode, it just off the top of my head, is the one where Stewie and Brian are stuck in the safe security oh, the yeah. vault. Yeah. That's and a real ass episode. It's the whole episode of just them two just going insane in this vault. And it's not referential humor. It's just no. like harrowing like yeah. deep shit with a lot of like really dark humor yeah you gotta have some real moments that's another thing any real moment is immediately undercut by jokes usually in family guy and, and always in deadpool uh the last thing on my list is perfect for middle schoolers yeah no Which I, is, it's a rated r movie yeah and it's made for 15 this year is 15 year old yeah <laughs> this is, is everything if, in this movie is like if i was 15 i would think this is yeah, the greatest or fucking movie even ever. 13 if if you show me this when i was 13 i would die yeah i would think it was perfect because i'd be like yeah this is a fuck you to hero movies it's like just like everything's pointless hell yeah now i'm like i paid money yeah and <laughs> this whole movie doesn't matter and it's made by like fox who is a major yeah, exactly. It's, it's saying fuck you to what it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's kind of hypocritical. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the first Deadpool before we get to the actual review. I remember really, really enjoying that movie when I first saw it. I was like, wow, this is like, it feels fresh. Mm -hmm. It feels like it's a little bit of an underdog of a film because it was made for like around 50, 60 million dollars. Mm -hmm. It was a film that was like struggled to be put in production. They had to leak a unfinished preview trailer uh, uh, like test footage of it that went viral online and then the fans kind of crowdsourced it for it to be funded uh -huh. and it's a movie that like shouldn't really work if you think of conventional hollywood rules and and financing it's mm -hmm. it's an r-rated like meta rude crude superhero movie and it made a shit ton of money <laughs> See, it did the the it, f oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Well, what I was going to say is... I'm just going to turn your volume all the way down every okay, time you interrupt okay. me. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power now. No, one thing that I was going to say was that I ended up actually... Because Deadpool, I thought... It's one of those things that I was never like a comic book head to the point that I like me neither fucking love Deadpool or anything like that. And it got to the point where it was just Deadpool was known for all of the uh, commercials and uh, just all of its advertising for Deadpool. And it got to the point that Deadpool annoyed the shit out of me because it's like, ha, 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 he's so self-referential. I, I get that when joke. When the first movie fun. was coming out? Yeah. And, uh, of course, it came out on Valentine's Day, and that was, like, what all of the... Um, all of the ads for it yeah, were, like were just like, yeah, this is a rom-com. This is a romance story. And, like... I kind of I, I it thought it was clever, but at the same time it kind of just rubbed me the wrong way. But then I ended up enjoying the movie 
a and good it, bit more it, than it, I thought they did. It pretty much is a love story. It is, yeah. Like, it really <laughs> it's, is. It's, it's a, it, yeah. The first Deadpool is a love story, and like it works. It looks pretty good for the most part. Uh, the first I one think, does. I think it's like really, really impressive how good the CGI is. The the last act battle on the ship okay, yeah, and yeah, land yeah. doesn't look great. That's, that's shaky. I'm, but I'm talking more about like the, the highway scene. The highway scene looks is, awesome. It's all CGI. All of it. Yeah. It's incredible. Like, the fact that that's all computer generated is, is great. And Colossus looks really good compared to how he looks in the second movie where he mostly looks really bad. Um, <laughs> and, we'll you know, we'll get into that later. Yeah. But I think the first movie overall was a, a nice surprise that was full of, like, really kind of refreshing humor that felt like we hadn't really seen enough of before. Yeah, I, I thought it was uh, solid. It was kind of ruined for me um, by what I perceived it to be. Anytime all my coworkers are like, yo, this movie's fucking hilarious. I already know it. I'm not going to like it that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I was disappointed by the humor of it because the whole thing of it is it's, this is the funny one. And I didn't think it was super funny. I thought it was like pretty funny. The best part in it is, uh, the part when, uh, Wade goes back to TJ Miller's character and they just have this back and forth with each other about how ugly he yeah. is. And the best joke in the entire uh, first Deadpool is you look like a Freddy Krueger fucked a topographical map of Utah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. That's that's a great yeah. joke. That was all improvised, yeah. too, which is good. Yeah. It, it has good jokes. I just thought overall like it wasn't... I don't think it was as special as people thought it was. I really think it was just like pretty solid and it has a lot in common with the second one. Uh, in that it just relied on a certain types of jokes that you learn as you grow up that they're kind of cheap. Yeah, yeah, and upon rewatch, because we just rewatched it right before seeing the, the second one, I was not as much into it. Um, yeah. A lot of the jokes didn't work. Um, it just, it was kind of like a bore for some of it. Like, a lot of scenes I was really into and I was, like, vibing with it and I was... Uh, you know, Ryan Reynolds is really good as yeah. the character. So he's I did really want to say that I love Ryan Reynolds. He's he's really always good, even when he's in shitty movies. Um, and I, you know, from everything you see on social media, which who knows if that's the full picture, but he seems like a really great guy and a genuinely funny person. So I'm glad that this is his thing. I'm glad he finally got his superhero after Green Lantern. And he was very like personally involved. Yeah, he mm -hmm. co-wrote these. Yeah, and he was probably the guy that leaked it online. <laughs> yeah, because he just yeah. wanted. Because I mean, this movie was in production hell for forever, just because. Ever since X Men Origins. Yeah, because I mean that had such a god awful interpretation of what Deadpool was. Yeah. And Deadpool was like, or Ryan Reynolds was like, please let me actually play Deadpool. I, I genuinely think that the first Deadpool is pretty good. I'd give it like a seven seven point five. I don't think that it was as revolutionary as a lot of people on the internet do, but it doesn't feel nearly as oversaturated with jokes as Deadpool. Deadpool 2 does. Yeah, so should we get into Deadpool 2 now? Let's yeah, why not? Okay. Um so yeah, this cast-wise, I love Josh Brolin, I love Ryan Reynolds, I love uh Zazie Beetz, I love Rob Delaney. Rob Delaney! Delaney! The best part yeah. about this movie. I like TJ Miller. I, I like everyone involved with this movie, and I didn't really like the movie. So, well, what's the the kid from uh, Hunt for the Wilbur Wilder yeah, People? Yeah, Hunt for the Wilder People. What's his name? I don't know his name, but he was. I really, I thought he was great. I love that little. You're talking about the fat little New yeah. Zealander, right? His name Fire Fist. His name is, um, Julian Dennison. 
Denison. Go Denison. <laughs> um, <laughs> everyone's he's, like, what? That's not funny. He's really, <laughs> he's really, really talented. Um, you no, know, he was really, really good. I mean, everyone, and us included, me included, every time there's like a really good child actor, everyone's surprised. But it's like when people cast child actors, they go to where the best child actors are you I mean, know they clearly saw hunt for the wilder people yeah like, exactly that kid shines this, in that movie. yeah and this kid's killer he's very funny um i like and i like that central storyline which is why i hate that they just kind of strayed from it in favor of just joke 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 yeah. joke 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 something that means anything joke 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 like the central plot of this is pretty it's pretty cool and it's funny i do a lot of the referential humor did land for me in this more than the other jokes did, particularly how it starts with the Logan monologue where he's talking shit about Logan and then the storyline ends up paralleling Logan a yeah. lot. That, yeah. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but it's just, I, I think you're really right. Deadpool 1, it had too many jokes, but it didn't have as many jokes as this movie did. Mm. This movie is which every in, five seconds. In my opinion, it makes it so... Because it's so oversaturated and it's like constant jokes, a lot of them work for me. And I'd say it, the ratio is probably around 50%. So when you have so many jokes and like just about half of them land, it's like you're still going to be pretty entertained. And yeah, personally, it's like Kimmy Schmidt, basically. Yeah, yeah. I was I was entertained with this with with Deadpool 2. Like it's not a good movie at all. No, <laughs> but I had fun and I liked it. And it, there's a lot that doesn't work about it and it's like really obnoxious and kind of a mess in terms of plot like everything about cable and like his whole backstory and his relationship to the the russell character like that is so messy and like half-baked and it doesn't it's almost yeah. like it doesn't even matter the big winner of this movie is josh brolin's dad bod yeah yeah is that was that real is that cg like yeah, damn dude, yeah, dude he's like the, old he's jacked man yeah man Shit. he's killing it <laughs> yeah thanos he didn't even have to wear cgi or makeup for that that was just his yeah. body um so walking out of this movie i kind of was like you know that was entertaining i'd give it like a six out of ten the more that i think about this movie the less that i like it like this is a movie that it tried to be much more dramatic than the first movie, but the entire time it's being dramatic, it's poking fun at how dramatic it is and then continues to be dramatic. And it's so like, it does this thing where it like does a movie cliche and then Deadpool breaks the fourth wall and it's just like, oh, looks like we're doing this movie cliche. And then they continue to do the movie yes. cliche. And it's just like, just because you are saying, hey guys, we're in it with you. We're going to do this thing that you know how it's going to end up being. That doesn't make that's, it better. That's a mistake that's made a lot. Uh, also in uh, improv, which it makes sense because when you're writing a movie, you're basically just improvising, particularly because this has several writers. Um, but that is a mistake that happens a lot when you think that if you're doing a bad bit, if you name the bit, it'll get better. It That doesn't work. No, it doesn't make it any better at all. You're just it's doing funny. a bad bit. This the, It has parallels to Logan. It also had parallels to Looper for me of the uh the kid the uh josh brolin plays the uh the bruce willis character is like we just have to kill him to save our timeline and you know ryan reynolds is uh young jgl and he's just like hey man i can save him if i reach him and everything very like looper-esque yeah but but it's so much worse (laughs) worse in every single capacity to that Mm. um i thought that despite the fact that his story uh his actual like 
backstory is really half-baked. I thought that Josh Brolin gave an excellent performance. It's kind of surprising that... He's an amazing actor. He's two for two with big CGI I mean, uh, he's like baddies. 50 for 50 in general. He's just always good. I said like, this after fucking Avengers. He's, he's never bad. No, yeah. And I mean, Josh Brolin truly is like one of the best actors that we have working. I thought that Zazie Beetz did a good job with a bad script for her because I think that about 50% of her scenes are really cool. Domino is like one of the most interesting superhero characters just because her whole thing is she's really lucky. Like that is her superpower, which the way that they visualize it is very hit and miss. And then sometimes like we get a really cool scene with her and then we have her like wrestling dudes with her legs. Like she's fucking black widow. In black, the first black Aven- widow. Yeah. Black, black widow in the first <laughs> Avengers movie. And it's like, that's not interesting. Like you finally have a cool, african-american female superhero and you're just gonna have her like fighting people with her legs like come on dude like give her something interesting to do and i I think that they could have definitely gotten more creative with her superpower which is extreme luck like it starts off they with a really decent sequence it could have looked better but just in general the concept of it is cool where everything is happening around her and she's just unscathed and then i thought that whole sequence with the with the prison car was awesome yeah that was really cool but it looked horrible that's yeah, thing. no, it was cool. It looked like a video game mixed with a new Fast and Furious that's, film. No, yeah, that's what I was getting. I was getting video game vibes. And it, but just concept wise, that's what they should have yeah. done. They should have focused more on her power instead of her just fighting people like a normal it's like thanos like he's just punching people it's yeah it's just not very creative when you have a superpower in play. She's just mostly a person. Um, and then. I think what landed the most, it was, you know, it was very enjoyable when they assembled this whole crew of people. The skydiving scene. Yeah, and then they jump out. That was probably my favorite that was, scene. That was, a, that was extremely standout. That was hilarious. I, I, I couldn't fault that except for the fact that I wanted way more Rob Delaney in this movie. <sighs> and, and the shortest lived cameo of oh, all time. Yeah. One second of Brad Pitt. Fucking Literally hilarious. just one second. Spoilers, by appears. the way. <laughs> we're just, that's, we're that's, gonna, not even, that's not yeah. even really much of a spoiler. I mean, we Dude, can we that, can go ahead and that, give a little bit of a mark. That, um, <laughs> that cameo, like, it didn't... It should have worked better than it did for me. Really? Like, it's... We get... Um, I don't know if all the time, but but it seems like recently kind of these A-listers have popped up in superhero movies. Yeah, Matt Damon with Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, and I'll say, like, apparently Matt Damon is in this movie, too. Yeah, I saw yeah, that on IMDb. I have no idea what he was doing. Unrecognizable. Um, but it, I just saw that flash of Brad Pitt, and I was like, well, he shot that on a green screen in, like, five minutes. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> I... I laughed at it. Um, like I thought it was pretty good. It is becoming something that is done now. Um, I, like I've seen that before. Um, but I, that that whole sequence was very very enjoyable. Even though like after one of them dies, you're like, oh, they're all gonna die. And we are spoiling from now on. So okay, spoiler let's warning. Just, let's go ahead and get into before we actually get into full spoilers because I mean, it's hard to take anything seriously in this movie because this movie doesn't take itself seriously and also based on the events that happen at the very very end of the movie you're wondering if anything that we just watched had any stakes at all yeah if we're not spoiling Um, yet i will say the post-credit sequences were at first very funny and then infuriated me i still enjoyed them i still thought that they were really good but i'm just hoping that 
it's one of those things where it's the movie isn't taking itself seriously because if it does, then that means that literally nothing matters. Yeah. Like nothing fucking matters. That's at all. another, it's another family guy parallel, yeah. man. It's just like, Nope, sorry. I guess final thoughts before we go into spoilers, I'll say that I did really feel like I was thoroughly entertained by the movie, even though like it was so fucking dumb and stupid that I just wasn't looking for anything profound in this at all. And I don't think the movie was ever trying to be that, but Overall, it's going to be really forgettable to me comparing it to the first one. There's nothing in this movie that I feel like I am going to really champion as like an improvement over the first one other than like Rob Delaney. Or yeah, I yeah. I don't know. I'll have to. I'd have to really think about it. But the whole I, spoiler section is just going to be us talking about Peter. Yeah, yeah. Rob but, Delaney's yeah, character. I'd give it like like a six. It's like a six. Yeah, I'm around there. I'm lower on Deadpool 1 than almost everyone I've ever met. I literally, yesterday I met the first person who's agreed with me that I, they didn't really like it very much. Um, and I, that's the main thing with these movies to me is they're ultimately completely forgettable. They fail to do what movies do, which is uh, have a compelling storyline that could never, you know, in quotes, never happen again, particularly Deadpool 2. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... I just, I want these movies, if they're going to be funny, I want them to be funnier than this because that's all they have. That's all they are. And a lot of the time in this movie, I was like, shut the fuck up. Don't, that's a bad joke. Like, <laughs> and then the, it yeah. keeps going. Like and the it, bit yeah. just I know. End. Particularly, I mean, a bit that we've seen so many times before. I've seen this bit like 50 times in my life of someone who's like on the brink of dying, who's pretending who's like, Oh, here I go. And I'm dying. And it just goes on and on. And it's like, by the end of that bit, I was like, die, <laughs> yeah, fucking, fucking die already. Die. I wanted it to be over. Like I, that's your review for the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fucking die. So, so I overall, like I did not enjoy this movie very much. Um, I thought that, it kind of reached the point while watching this movie, because I should say, I saw this movie with, like, the most normie crowd of people. Like, people who were laughing and applauding at everything. <laughs> like, yes, I understand the reference. And it got to the point that it was so annoying that I, like, looked over at Gaia and I was like, this is bad, isn't it? Like, this this is bad, what we're watching. She was like, yeah, I don't like this. And, like, I was like, thank God, like, I'm not by myself here, like, watching this. Like, there are some good points in this movie, but... One of the things that I kind of came back like while reading some reviews and people talking about this movie is I don't understand how people can love Deadpool 2, but at the same time hate Ready Player One. Both of them <laughs> oh, are geez. extremely referential and they rely on making references, but Ready Player One looks great it does things that are innovative. Red Deadpool 2 does nothing innovative and, and at I'll all. And I'll say, Ready Player One is actually a, kind of about something. Yeah. What is Deadpool 2 about? Ready Player One has stakes, at least. Yeah. I see, this I, movie has no fucking stakes. I'm what you'd call a trailblazer in that I don't like either of them. Whoa. <laughs> and I'm deep. <laughs> I... You only like films that premiere. I wanted to bring this up because yeah, I know like I'm solo. I know I'm the only <laughs> at Kness. Um, I wanted to bring this up because I'm the only person who actually likes Ready Player One. Yeah, but yeah. I do I, like. I, I, I really think like I don't understand how 
people can shit all over Ready Player One for doing nothing that's special or innovative and then be like, Deadpool 2 is so funny because it's not innovative, but it knows that it's not innovative. And it's like, that doesn't make it any better. No. Like, that does not there, make it any better. And there, I do want to say, there is such thing as over self-awareness done completely right. And if you want to watch that, watch both of the Jump Street movies. Yes. Yeah, Oof. yeah, definitely. Yeah. That is a great comparison to me right? because you can, you can make a lot of links between those two movies yeah. and that basically jump street beat them to it exactly like they made dead jump street before yeah and they're better Deadpool. movies without having to rely on cheap humor they're the first one is already good and already very self-aware that it is you know a movie and kind of absurd and it's still a good movie anyway and it's still pretty compelling for a comedy yeah. and then the second one blows the self-awareness out of the water yeah. and it just becomes a movie about about movies yeah. and it still works because it doesn't fall into these traps that deadpool 2 fell into and i i really think that if you were disappointed in the same way as we were with Deadpool 2. You should watch both of the Jump I Street think, movies. They're criminally underrated. I think uh, 22 Jump Street, uh, I'd love to revisit it, but my memory of it is that it just like unabashedly went for it. Exactly. It just oh, yeah. fucking went for it. And Deadpool 2 has so many moments that it like holds itself back from getting too meta or too crazy. And it, it like yeah. it tries to well, sort of ground itself in a more it ground uh, dramatic itself story. while also being meta. It's like you can't have both. Yeah. Like you can't you can't have a dramatic moment and then be like, oh, here comes big CGI battle sequence, and then go through with the big CGI battle sequence. Like yeah. do something like it's, if you're gonna poke fun at it, then just be like, oh, big G- CGI battle sequence, and then cut away from it and just show exactly. like Deadpool on his phone there, or something like that. Do something that's just like totally out there and not what people expect. I was from these just movies. I was just very frustrated because like it's exactly the same with Family Guy. Family Guy has some of the best jokes I've ever heard, and I quote them to this day. And then if you watch the full episode, you're like, oh, geez, because it's just so inconsistent like one of my my second favorite part of the whole movie is when the big buff guy in the bar fucks up his line yeah. and yeah and, and deadpool's no like speaking roles for or he's no yeah. more speaking parts for yeah. you. that's that is a great little thing and it doesn't interfere with the plot because it's during downtime it's yeah. not during a pivotal moment let pivotal moments play out like the Jump Street movies do, the ju- Twenty One Jump Street has a love story that is actually really, really yeah, good. Yeah, it's compelling. Larson, like it's still man. a compelling movie. But yeah, both of those movies are just way better than either of the. Do you guys want to give grades? I yeah, I I gave mine. I have a six. I give it like a five. I give it like five. a four to a five overall. I did it's, not. It's, it's declining. It's, okay, so walking out of the theater, <laughs> I gave it a six. I'm down to about a four now. The more and more that I think about this movie, the less that I like I, it. I would have given it like a six, six and a half until the post credits scene. I, yeah. I oh, was, really? I was infuriated. I because at first it's just really funny, which oh, is what. Okay, we'll get into yeah. that. Okay, yeah, all right. Do you want? Let's just go ahead and do spoilers. Yeah, and so get go, right into go it. see the movie. It's fine. Or don't. Or, I mean, go see a movie that's actually good instead. Yeah, yeah. I would go I'm watch. Honestly, go watch Infinity War for a time. See Tully. It's, go see Tully. Go see Tully. Yeah, no yeah see everybody Tully. go see Tully <laughs> instead of Deadpool two. Give Tully your money, not this shit. I'm I'm really surprised that I thought I was going to be the black sheep on this one. I'm I'm glad that you guys also yeah. kind of weren't well, huge I, on it. I, <laughs> you I, enjoyed it. I, I, which I, is yeah. I take it for what it is. It had it had enjoyable moments. Yeah. I just didn't enjoy it enough. Okay. But yeah. So okay. spoiler starting now. So post credit sequence. At first, incredibly funny with Ryan Reynolds going back in time and fixing all of his sh- movie fuck ups that he's made. Green Lantern and playing that, that was the last one. Yeah, and playing the, that stupid X Men villain. Yeah, which the, yeah, when he Deadpool. when he shoots himself after reading the Green Lantern script, yeah. like 
that is the best part of the whole yeah, movie. Exactly. Yeah. It's fucking that there are moments like that that were so good in the movie. Another moment earlier in the movie that I loved was when he autographs the cereal box and says Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. That made me laugh really hard. Um and then he and he undoes the <laughs> he, movie. He goes back in time and undoes everything we just fucking watched. Yeah. So what n- the fuck? N- none of it matters then. Like that's the whole case if his girl never dies then Everything that we saw in the movie doesn't matter. Yeah, which means Cable will still go back in time and kill yeah. little Russell. And, okay, so A, th- just period, I hate that they did that. B, it's in a post credit sequence? People left. Yeah. People yeah. don't even know that everything just didn't matter that they just saw. People walked out. That's not what you do post credits. You do funny bits post credits or yeah. you do something like something Infinity that's a War setup. did. Yeah, but like a little bit of setup that's not, it's not vital to watch. But this... They should have just done the funny stuff. To undo everything that just happened, I was like, I stormed out. Well, I mean, I think that that's the whole thing that I was saying is that I kind of feel like despite the fact that they reversed everything, they're going to pretend like that didn't even matter. And then it's like, well, why even do the post credit scene then? Why it's like, just, why even have that I, happen? Yeah, like, I really don't know what they're going to do. They, ha- they put it in there because they had the idea for the joke without thinking of the consequences for that joke. Also, they wanted to keep the actress on that plays his girlfriend. They didn't want to write her out of the, ne- the next yeah, movie. And I like her, but I, damn, I was like, kill someone, shit. Like, just, yeah, like, also, do you know what the consequences of that would be if he actually, like... It's like the whole fucking butterfly effect. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ, like, everything should be different now, but I know that it won't be. And, and then he's just like, oh, don't mind me, just cleaning up the timeline. Like, no, you're not, <laughs> you're making it worse. No. This movie, it reminded me of, uh, Sprite did a very famous ad campaign in the 90s, right? Where they would have famous basketball players like Grant Hill come in. And Grant Hill would be, it would be really cheesy on purpose. He'd be holding up a Sprite bottle and he'd be like, I love Sprite. It's my favorite. And then you'd hear like cha-ching and like dollar signs and stuff. It was an attempt to be self-aware of what it was doing while still doing it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, none of this matters. But yeah, none of this matters. That sucks. So fuck you. It's great that you know (laughs) that, I guess. But it's still bad. Like, I hated how many times they made the lazy writing joke in this movie. Yeah. Like you it's still lazy writing. Like you're just you just know it. And, is. and I'll say like comparing this to the first one, the first one had such a much tighter story that you can pretty much like follow and care about what the actual plot is. In this movie, not only is the plot like completely inconsequential, but it's like it's so messy yeah, and it's convoluted not good in the first place. Like, yeah, like what the fuck is I think happening? in the first one, like I mean it, maybe it's not the best, but like the whole scene where, uh, like the scenes with uh, Wade Wade Watts, not Wade Watts. Wade that's, Watts? That's, that's that's Ready Player One. With, My uh, mom gave me this name because it sounds like a superhero name. With Wade Wilson and um and Ajax, the character wherever they're in this like gross hospital prison type yeah. area, like that stuff still works. It could be a little bit better, but like you're still following what's happening and understanding the what origin. everybody's motivations are. Yeah. And this, I don't know what's happening here. Like the best bits are the parts that aren't consequential at all and have nothing to do with the plot. Although I do love that he saved Rob Delaney. That was that was the best part of the post credit yeah. scene. He's just like Peter. Because no, I no, was so sad that he fucking died, and he died so like unceremoniously. It was just like <laughs> his arm gets, minutes. and that his, was really funny. Also, <laughs> his arm gets like disintegrated, vomit acided. <laughs> that I mean, that whole sequence. There's so many good laughs in this movie, which I want to give it a six actually because there are parts that are yeah, just funny. That's and what that's I'm fine. saying. Like it was really entertaining for the most but, part. But but then there were just there were 
probably certain segments of probably 10 minutes where I was like, this needs to stop. Yeah. The fir- I think that the first 15, 20 minutes of this movie are fucking horrible. When he's like a, Anything- a trainee X-Men. Yeah. And uh, well, everything that comes before the actual like Deadpool title card is so boring that I was like, literally the least interesting part about the first Deadpool. It's funny, but the least interesting part is the love story. So it's like, you're going to make the love story the crux of this entire sequel. Like yeah. I was already kind of out on then, it at that but point. But then she dies and it's like, oh, pretty big like holy shit moment but then it ends up having very little consequence yeah it doesn't story. really matter well yeah and one thing okay so one thing i will say well talking about the x-men trainee part uh one of the best bits in the whole movie the is yeah well the can't the whole x-men cameo yeah. about how they're just like we can't afford yeah, anybody else in this and then it's just like you see like beast and evan peters and everybody yeah. in there and they just shut the door James McAvoy. that's James McAvoy. I swear to, see when i when we talk about these specific jokes these are some of the best jokes i've seen all year in anything yeah and then I think about the movie, and I'm like, ugh. But that's the whole thing, is that it's great jokes, but it should have great jokes. If there's approximately 1,500 jokes in the movie, there should be some really good ones in there, and there are. But there's yeah. also, I don't think it reaches the 50% threshold for me. I think that's about 25 to 30% of the jokes actually land. Don't get me wrong. They hit on, like, 80% for just the regular normie audience that I went and saw it with. Everybody was like, ha, they ha, laugh, ha, this yeah. is amazing. They laugh at everything. They make, like, three different BVS jokes. And it got to the point, I heard somebody else say it, and they kind of, like, reiterated my feelings that it kind of got to the point that I empathized with BVS. I shouldn't be empathizing with what is a bad movie. Yeah. But it got to the point where it's just like, come on, you're just like, picking on them like at this point just like making the whole like mother joke and then it's dark and gritty like so many dc dark and gritty jokes and it's like okay i i get it i get also it. this movie did much like sometimes family guy does it did also over rely on just visceral gore to the point like where it was just not it it made me feel nothing at a certain yeah. point where it was just like ah, he's cut in half but you know that's him i i thought it was <laughs> funny i i those were some of my favorite parts of the first one and i'm glad that that carried over to to the second one it's like if, if you're comparing the two movies like there's a lot about the second one that works better but there's also a lot that works a lot worse so yeah. it's it's this une- unevenness to it that makes it like overall just a worse movie for me. Even exactly. though that like because they had a higher budget, because they had a little bit more of an ambitious story to tell, like it does hit a little bit of higher marks. Yeah. But it's just so fucking I'm, messy and convoluted that it just it doesn't work overall. No, I'm I'm telling you this is Family Guy, and the difference the the biggest difference and the reason that I like Peak Family Guy better than either of these movies is because a with television the plot isn't supposed to matter so much because every episode of a normal sitcom does have a reset button at the end of it that's that's baked into the formula um whereas with a movie it should matter a lot more and then the second thing is that i paid to see these movies <laughs> and i expect i expect more when i pay money well i mean movie pass you know no I, I had to reserve tickets i didn't Oh yeah! Oh, so you I, actually had to pay. Yeah, no, you made a money. mistake. I spent money, and I, you know, I drove to a theater, and I, you know, took time out, and then I watched something that was undone at the end of it. That's what TV's for. That is not what movies are for, and it really frustrated me. Yeah. Even though, like, like I keep saying, this movie had moments of brilliant comedy, and then it's just 
completely yeah, a lot of hints of genius that just don't amount to anything i honestly i didn't think that the rob delaney character was going to work as well as i did and i think that it's kind of a credit to rob delaney because if it would have been so somebody else then i feel like the peter character would have just been like it would have been a shtick that would have gotten old real quick and i mean luckily he's not really in the movie for very long for that shtick to get old but he's just like he plays it so well as this like humble dad that yeah. you're just like Peter, I just want you to be safe out there. I'm and, just yeah, <laughs> putting and, all my cards then, on you. And Deadpool like acknowledges it. He's like, "Oh man, I'm gonna miss him the most." Yeah. <laughs> and then takes you know goes out of his way to say. There him. was also a couple other cameos from the whole X Force thing. Like we have a uh, Bill Skarsgård in oh, there. Is that who it is? Yeah, Bill Skarsgård was a acid throw up guy. Oh yeah, I thought he looked familiar. Um. And I was like, that's odd that they have Pennywise yeah. in. Obviously, Brad okay. Pitt. And Terry Crews. Terry Crews, like, yeah. very underutilized. All these characters are extremely underutilized because yeah. yeah. they all just die. You know, but Am I wrong in thinking this, but did they steal this bit from MacGruber? No, I, they did. It, it is, yeah. I was, they, I was remember MacGruber <laughs> when he blows up, like, his yeah. whole team? Yeah, he has a great team, and then they all die. Yeah, no, this, I mean, they stole a lot of bits in this. <laughs> like, there's nothing about per- this movie that's partic- original. They stole, um, they stole a bit from Wet Hot as well, which is... I, this bit was fresh 20 years ago when Wet Hot came out, but it's when um, he's he's laying, like outlining a plan or something, or he's saying something, oh, yeah. and then Zazie Beats is like, that sounds a bit uh, derivative to me or something. <laughs> There's an entire bit in Wet Hot that does that a million times yeah. better, where like one of the characters is using TV lingo to like put mm-hmm. down a plan. Yeah. Um, or whenever... Um, uh, the this, the this, softball game? Yeah, this, exactly. Yeah. The softball thing. Yeah, this isn't really from Wet Hot, but when they're... Uh, the, the whole bit with the, um, with the small legs... And then they're, they're like, can we can we try can we try our lines again? It's like uh, TJ Miller's like, who's gonna say the joke first? <laughs> also, I just, um, there were one hundred percent supposed to be way more baby dick in that scene. That I'm sure they had to take it out because that whole scene is written as though his dick is just out the whole yeah. scene. You get not, one little bit, yeah, yeah exactly. one little bit of baby dick. That, that scene didn't work nearly as well for me as Baby Hand did in the first one. Um, I thought both of them, especially in this movie, the scene is like a minute and a half too long like this scene goes on and on and it's like i get it like everybody in the theater was dying laughing and i was like this isn't that funny like was really bad yeah it doesn't look that good (laughs) i mean like okay another thing that um I i wanted to bring up was i actually thought that there was kind of potential for negasonic teenage warhead to be more interesting in this movie but she's hardly in this movie at all yeah she's just like oh she's busy being a lesbian and then that's that's it. And she has like one person makes a joke about her about she looks like Justin Bieber now, which was yeah. decently funny. Yeah. You got to chuckle. I did like one thing I really enjoyed um, was Deadpool's like bisexualness, I guess, and how he's like really into Colossus and like hugging that was him pretty and funny. grabbing his ass. And then how he's trying to start this bromance with Cable at the end. Yeah. It's like. Uh, or even when Colossus shows up to the final fight and it's like this big like sentimental moment that he has with him. Another another uh, Family Guy parallel is uh, there's a lot of racial humor in this movie. And yeah. it is it is self-aware and it works better than like it's not mean spirited. But it's, at the end of the day, it is still a white dude just making fun of like black people and, <laughs> and Japanese people and stuff. Um I don't. I don't know, man. I just if the whole thing is humor, I want it to be funnier. I would rather watch either of the Guardians movies if I'm watching a funny superhero movie because they're more compelling. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think this about other just, things. It just didn't work on just a variety of different levels. That like I really think that when they were writing this movie, they thought like, wow, this is really genius. Like we're really sticking it to superhero movies, kind of like how they probably thought with the first one, but. 
they're just falling into this point where they're trying to poke fun at everything while still doing the same thing that superhero movies do. And it's like, no, you can't have it both ways. Either make a formulaic superhero movie or do something that totally, like, tears the... Tears the formula in half. What about um, the Juggernaut? Because did he was did just, you uh, care? About that? Did anybody care? It, it was played by Ryan Reynolds. So really, I, I, I didn't that know that. Cool. But I, I did. I mean, he ends up what, like, dead in a pool or something? Yeah, dead was, pool. <laughs> oh god, that was. Oh boy, <laughs> they. <laughs> I mean, this whole thing how kill they me. kill him was just so like, oh god, like kill me. Like they rip his pants off and they stick a a, a cord up his butt and then they electrocute him in the water. It was like, this is it's middle school humor. This isn't like funny. Like this isn't clever for adults. Like I don't know why the writers who are grown ass men thought that this would be like mass appeal. You know why? It's because your... it is mass appealing. Yeah. Oh God, I just fucking hate society. We, that this is what we ask. I mean, for. we're we all we're comedy snobs. You know, we. I mean, at least I know that I am. I'm a I'm a dick about funny shit. I don't. I can't relate to a lot of people like referring to what they laugh at. Um, for example, I like Hollywood Handbook, <laughs> which is well, the one well, thing well. that you we would defend to the death, but recommend yeah. to no one. Yeah, exactly. I saw that tweet the other day. Um, it's it's so. I don't know. There, so there is a disconnect that's just built in the fact that we absorb so much more uh, specified content than people. And that's not saying that we're better than anyone. It's just saying we're losers and we do that all day. Yeah, I mean, if you enjoyed this movie and you genuinely think it's great, like, that's fine. Whatever. That's like fine. It. You're not wrong. Have a blast, but you're stupid. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're stupid. I mean, I honestly think that the humor in Blockers worked better than the humor in this movie. And, did. and honestly, I did not think Blockers was a very good movie, but I think that overall, I think more of the jokes land in Blockers than and, they did in this. And Blockers doesn't undo everything yeah, that happened. Blockers you has actually, something that matters. a story that has like yeah. a beginning and an end. And, and, it, and it that's just has an, consequences. That's another thing that's great for middle school, early high school, when you're just realizing like nihilism type stuff and how everything's pointless. You'd be like, yeah, fuck movies. Yeah, this is stupid. They knew it was stupid, and I know it's stupid. I mean, yeah, this movie is so like, but now it's like obtusely nihilistic. Yeah, so, yeah. So basically, I was like, I worked one hour for this money, and <laughs> you've taken so, it, and I so put two hours in that I paid money yeah, to go see it. Exactly. It's that it's that stupid. It's a bit uh, <laughs> trite. Um, one last thing that popped into my head is uh, they never explained who the guys that killed his girlfriend were. I thought that was going to come maybe, back. Maybe we'll find way. out later. I, I guess, but does it matter? Because they didn't kill his girlfriend anymore. No. <laughs> so does anything that we saw fucking matter? Yeah, I guess not. No stakes. So we should probably wrap it up then. All right. Any last thoughts? No. Or, no, just, I think that we kind of summed it up. It's it's a movie that you can pick apart to death, I but didn't, I genuinely had a good time seeing it for the most part. I thought that it was fine, but it's just one of those movies that like coming out of that, I was like, that's like five or six yeah. but then it's just one of those movies that you try if the more that you think about it, the less that you like it yeah okay well you can find more episodes of this show on my website at caloronearns.com slash podcast we are at what 30 almost 40 episodes or so so keeping it strong next week hopefully <laughs> you guys will be able to Trudge yeah. on without oh, me. We're doing all sports next we week. We did. We bought an athlete. Wait, what? Not, not in a <laughs> racial <Jeez>. way. <laughs> Christ. God damn. Uh, but we yeah. sponsored a sprinter. <laughs> we are at uh, at we bought a mic on all social media and we bought a mic at gmail.com. If you want to let us know how wrong we are about Deadpool, 
go ahead and send us an email um, worded as meta or as rude or crude as you wanted to word it. You know, we're we're here for all sorts of takes. Yeah. What about yeah. you guys? Do you like it when they call their writing bad and then it's still bad? <laughs> let us know. I love that. Yeah, let us know in the that fucking comment section. That tells me that they, they're actually good. Yeah, they know they're bad, so they're good. Oh, God. What? I'm on Twitter at Hunt Mobley. Um, you're here for me to just make a bunch of bad tweets and be like, ha, 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 these are so bad. Anyways, here's more bad tweets. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right, well, um, yeah, I'm at uh, Drew Dietzen, D-I-E-T-Z-E, at Twitter, at Instagram. Don't add me on Facebook at uh, Letterboxd. I'm at I'm Drew D. And everybody, add, everybody add him on Facebook. That's and the only social media. I'm at Calderness on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd, which I have been updating fairly regularly. And the summer season is here, guys. Yeah, we've We're both been be... uh, pretty active on Letterboxd lately, so check out our, yeah. our full yeah, reviews me too. of certain things. <laughs> We're going to be going to the movies a lot this summer because we got movie pass. Before they go out of business, we got to take advantage of that. So <laughs> yeah. follow along and one and music up, and we're and waiting and go we're booting and up two, and, and here we go god damn it engineer drew oh and this is this Add is embarrassing again. for me kevin it's okay it's kevin okay. and here uh, we go we'll be back next week well i won't be these guys will we'll be, be back. back two weeks from now with solo a star wars story or we'll just we'll just review it without you Fuck you. we don't need you here fade in <laughs> <laughs> peace bye